Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. The title of today's show is George Russell and the Ghost of Ericsson Romagna. That's suggested by iHammer on Twitter. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joined on the call by Matt Two Rumpets. Hello, Matt. Oh, hello there, Spanners. You know, it was an exciting weekend because our clocks changed last night which meant that not once, but twice this weekend, I got to wake up at 5 a.m. just to see what was going to happen. Nice. Why did you wake up at 5 a.m.? Uh, well, yesterday for um, the only free practice uh, that was before yes. qualifying. And today, because our race started at 7 and I need at least an hour to have some espresso and sort of wake up and then the general getting ready to cover the race thing. You don't have to lie here. This is a safe space. If you want to say whiskey instead of espresso... You absolutely can. Oh, no, it's definitely espresso. I mean, like the ones that start at three in the morning, those are kind of borderline. It could be <laughs> either, depending upon my mood. I say we call an international amnesty. So all our friends around the world, if you're watching a European race, uh, pubs are open. It's drinky o'clock in the UK. I think that's fair because when rugby fans are watching a game in Australia, they do not hesitate to wake up at eight in the morning and, and start getting on the beer. So I think our international F1 friends should be able to do the same thing, Matt. I'm sure you'll agree. It's like airport time. When the F1 race is on, normal times just don't apply. And there was an F1 race. But first, let me tell you that we are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. Sometimes we're even wrong about being first. Uh, we're also joined on the panel by maybe BTCC driver Bradley Philpot. How's it going, Brad? Firstly, Brad, massive congratulations on securing a seat for your British Touring Car Championship debut. 
Uh, whether it goes ahead or not, we still think you, you smashed it getting there. Thanks, Banners, and thanks for the lovely promo you did for me on the Joe Show. Um, yeah, and as you alluded to, we've done the hard work. Now we just have to wait and see whether or not it will be allowed to go ahead. We'll go into some more detail on that in the middle of the show, if you don't mind, Brad. And we're also joined by our race analyst and sometime computer game player and YouTuber, Alex Jeansy Van Jean. Hello, Alex. Hello, Spanners. How are we this evening? All right. Yeah, I'm all good. Right. Yeah, I'm all right. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. I think it was a really interesting race. I think we were looking, we were expecting kind of a, a semi-dull race, but we actually got what was a pretty classic um, old school Grand Prix today. Did you just ask him how it was going and then answer the question for him? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's, he's like that. That's Alcohol. What, that's what YouTubers Don't are drink, like. kids. So for anybody watching outside the UK, everyone in the United Kingdom is, is dr- getting drunk tonight. I think that's everyone's doing that. So uh, please forgive Alex and Brad and, uh, and me as well. Uh, but uh, let's talk about going back to Imola. I mean, there was loads of excitement about it. Uh, but uh, Brad, what was your first impression of the track? Seeing the cars on track you suddenly go, oh, this doesn't quite feel like Imola of old. It was like an uncanny valley, and the the track suddenly seemed dwarfed. And I don't know whether it's because we've run sim racing events there or we're just remembering it from the olden days, but it's like going back to primary school. Like, you're sure the rooms were bigger. Yeah, I uh, I think exactly that. First of all, I thought it looked very picturesque. It looked like somewhere I want to go. Um, the light looked brilliant when the sun was kind of getting lower in the sky, everything looked golden. You're right, it looked a little bit small because the cars are huge, aren't they? Um, and we've been running Formula Renaults and that kind of thing around them, uh, around Imola. The curbs looked a little bit nicer as well than what we're used to from, from our iRacing exploits. But it definitely looked like a place that, um, that suited Formula One, even if it was a little bit small. So I'm going to second the Formula One cars the size of SUVs <laughs> is one of the main reasons it looked so uh, so much less formidable in some ways than the earlier era cars that we're used to seeing on that track in historical footage. Um, and I think despite the relative dearth of overtaking, a little tweaking of the DRS zone might have seen that problem solved. And I'm yeah. down with the elevation changes. I love tracks that change elevation. And this this was very, very sweet. It was really in the pocket for me. I think um, for for my money, the lack of overtaking wasn't a massive drama, given that actually this season we've had loads of on-track action and the tracks like Mugello and and Portimao that we went to actually did produce a bit of racing, Alex. So to have a race like this where, yeah, it was a little bit harder to overtake, but not like Monaco or or Singapore hard to overtake, it actually added a nice variety to this phase of the season. Yeah, what was nice was the drivers had to really push to keep in the gap to try and get people. But also you couldn't push too hard because there was gravel there ready to bite you like it did with Bottas. You know, the gravel, other things as well, you know, cost Bottas today. He hit the gravel twice, which is what eventually got the run on him. So um, you can't push too hard, especially because that downhill section going into the last two corners is really steep. So you've got to brake really, really hard and get the and get the car in. And then if you touch the gravel, you've lost all that momentum. So I, I really like seeing this old school style. Yeah. All right. Look, I've, I've been a fan of trying out all the different circuits. I think at the end of the season, we'll do like a track review and say, which ones do we really think should be on the F1 circuit every year? Which ones would we have? 
And I think most people would say we definitely need to give Magello another try. I think people felt pretty positive about Portimao. Imola, nah. If it was to pop on every few years, I don't think that would be a disaster. But, you know, whether or not it's fit for modern constant calendar inclusion, Alex, I don't know. It would be kind of nice to have a Corona calendar rotation. <laughs> yeah. So where you get a few of the tracks that were included in this season included. Because, okay, you know, but I also think having tracks like Imola yeah. help the tracks that have carnage on them. Because it's a case of okay, yeah. Um, it was it was a it was a nice tactical fight at Imola, yeah. But oh my god, it was chaos at whatever the next track might. Yeah, be. so you can have a nice so mix, it, yeah. Because if you just have tracks that are chaos every single race, it's nullified. It's the whole thing with the three day weekend, because the teams will just get used to having one day to test. So it's oh, that's a good point. We'll, we'll turn to Matt for the three day weekend. But firstly, I, I just want to note, Brad was talking about the scenery. As you saw the pictures of the cars driving through, it looked like they were just driving through like a village or just like a suburban housing estate. And there was one shot where there was a road like right next to it, but it wasn't packed with people peering in. And I was like, if that was, if I lived in that village, maybe everyone there is so jaded about motorsport because they live next to a track. But I would have been there on the fence with like popcorn and crisps. But anyway, uh, two day weekend, Matt. Did it have an effect? Everyone's been talking about it for weeks, building it up. Did it actually mix things up? Did it cause the chaos and the randomness that people were hoping for? Well, no. But yes. I mean, if you looked at the race, it was about as orderly as they come. They started, some people made some positions at the start, and then it was it was kind of a, it was pretty much of a train until the wheels fell off several cars for various different reasons. But if you peer underneath the surface and look at the decisions taken, um, specifically how long the softs were running, uh, Pirelli suggested that the fastest strategy was to run the soft to lap 26 and then jump on the medium. And yet we saw the vast majority of soft clad runners off those tires around lap 14, Mm. mostly kicked off by Leclerc trying to undercut um, whoever was ahead of him at that moment. I think it was Ricardo. Um, but nonetheless, what what you see, what you see is the teams not mm. really having the data to to make the decisions they're used to to making. They would have gone and knowing exactly when they wanted to pit people. And as it is, they wound up reacting much more to strategy plays, yeah, than with uh, data on their tires and knowing what the fastest way around the track was. So I would say that that has not been a failure. It wasn't like we turned up and went. Oh, my goodness, two-day weekend, that's terrible. The cars all just stopped halfway round. They showed that the teams can survive a two-day weekend. Well, there we go. Maybe another few tries at that. Well, yeah, and I will throw out there is another positive. Uh, Just having this singular practice and then qualifying was great because, I mean, have have you ever watched Free Practice 1? Yeah. And Free Practice 2? No, I'm busy working. And then my free practice watching. three. <laughs> and you notice that there, there are these huge chunks of time where like maybe there is a car on track driving around sure. at a fixed speed. Nah, it was it was nonstop cars on track from the moment free practice opened until they ran out of time. And qualifying, I think, was actually really, really exciting as a result because we, we did not have nearly as much of a clue as we normally do uh, going into qualifying. Alex Van Jean, Lewis Hamilton. Drop the ball in qualifying, or did he? I mean, it, it looked like Bottas had pulled off an amazing pole position, pole lap, and clutched victory from the jaws of defeat there. 
it's hard, it's really hard to tell with um with those two. But something I've always thought about Lewis Hamilton is he goes all or nothing in qualifying, and if he drops it, uh, Bottas is quick enough to pick up the pieces. I think it's also just proved that Bottas is a really really good qualifier. You know, the guy isn't lacking any pace, and when and he can take it to Lewis on qualifying pace any race that there is. Lewis said he did a suboptimal lap, um, but you know. Did Lewis get everything out of that lap? We'll never know. He says he didn't, but of course he's going to say he didn't. He's not going to say, yeah, Bottas was just faster than me because that's not the mental game he's playing with no. Valtteri. Again, he just said, well done, Valtteri. You did a good <laughs> job. You're right. He does play a good psychological game. I think he's definitely, you know, he's definitely got Valtteri Bottas in his pocket when it comes to that psychological game. Now, someone criticised me a while back for saying that Rosberg won that psychological battle with Lewis Hamilton. I mean, what I mean, he definitely, you can't argue that Rosberg got into Hamilton's head. You can't argue that his mind games had an effect on what Lewis Hamilton was doing. By the other token, Matt, Lewis Hamilton has completely pacified Bottas in that teammate battle. Yeah, I was going to say Rosberg wanted so much, he immediately retired. Well, yeah, yes. Okay, that is all fair. That's all fair. Tell you what, let's move on to the race. Well, here at Missed Apex Podcast, we love our race reviews and you can catch them by going to YouTube and please subscribe to us, search for Missed Apex Podcast there. Subscribe and you can click a bell, you'll get a notification when we go live and you can chat to us like Vermis is there, like Mark Greenow is, how Stuart Neal is and how on occasion 5,000 people do. So come and join all those cool kids and watch the odd live stream with us and make sure you give our videos a like and a subscribe. Did I do that right, kids? Right, let's move on. This is the part of the show where we ask Matt where the race was won and lost. Well, I'm glad you asked me for a change. (laughs) Okay. Oh, no, in fact, switch it up. Brad, where was the race won and lost? No, Matt. Uh, Well, once we get past qualifying, which set the grid and and is generally critical, uh, I think the, the most important place the race was won and lost had to be at the start, but not for the reasons most people think. The main reason it was important was because we had into turn seven, our friend Sebastian Vettel just absolutely massacring, and we'll get to this later, I'm sure, Kevin Magnussen and leaving a huge chunk of his front wing lying on the track for Valtteri Bottas' car to ingest the following lap. And from there, it all went badly for our Finnish friend. Yeah, so like we didn't, we didn't know about uh, this obviously at the time that we were watching um, but the point I was making to you lads earlier was if if we had never found out about the debris in Valtteri Bottas's car it did seem kind of like a completely normal performance Brad from from Valtteri Bottas did it not you know he struggled a bit in the first stint held them up then the two cars behind kind of got a grip and were able to do something with the strategy and then once Hamilton got ahead he stretched his his pace but I mean, that's a fairly typical scenario. Yeah, if you hadn't known about that debris, and in fact, if I hadn't seen the evidence of it, I kind of maybe <laughs> wouldn't have even believed that yeah. was a thing. Um, I do, I do believe that that obviously made quite a big difference to him because it was a significant chunk of car, and it was so embedded that it made its way all the way back to the pits after you know a full stint, and they were able to then remove it. Um, 
So I didn't realise that that had happened with Magnussen, as Matt said at the start, because later on, was it Vettel that came together with Kvyat um, with a, a front right part of his front wing? Was that someone else? I, I thought there was a little touch, or maybe it was with Albon, sorry, a little bit later on. Um, and it, it looked to me like nothing fell off at that point, but maybe that's because that part of the wing had already fallen off and was stuck in Bottas's car. So from the angle, it didn't look like anything extra fell off of Vettel's wing. But anyway, like you say, Spanners, the way the race panned out was pretty much as I was kind of expecting it to yeah. from the moment Hamilton then settled down into third place and and set about waiting for the first two to pit. All right, Matt. Well, continue with one and loss, because I think um, a lot more of this um, aero loss and uh, uh, Bottas loss of pace will come up later. And and it is indeed a thread that runs through the entire race. Because of that, we had Valtteri pitting, I believe, around lap 19. At the end of lap 19, yes, indeed, because Max Verstappen, who had gotten ahead of Lewis at the start because Valtteri towed him past, Max Verstappen um, was making the undercut attempt on him. He'd gotten close enough and Red Bull decided to pull the trigger. And Mercedes, really looking at the lap times, knew they had but one choice to keep him ahead. And that was to bring him in. And so at the end of lap 19, he comes in. This leaves Lewis in the front of the race with loads of clean air and basically having sat there at at a pace that was slow for Max for Verstappen on his tires. Uh, you know, once the first couple of laps were gone, yeah. they, the, the three of them just took off and they, they sat at basically Valtteri's pace. And as soon as he was let loose, remarkably, his tires, which had not been feeling great earlier, yeah, were miraculously healed. And he felt like, no, I don't need to come in the next lap to join this battle. I think I could probably drive for a while on this tire, which is both softer and faster than the tires of the people behind me now. How- Hamilton is a massive troll on the radio when it comes to tyres. There's just, there's no way that that is genuine anymore. He's either A, playing up to it, or B, it is kind of code. They must have some kind of code with the tyres ty- the, the on the radio. Because he says, you know, my front right, it doesn't feel good. As, as soon as the two guys in, cars in front have gone, you're right, Matt, he wasn't just fine, he was going faster. A lot of the times when you try and go on an overcut with the softer tyre, um, you're still, you're sacrificing pace because the guys on the harder tires are coming out and going faster than you because they're fresh even though they're a harder compound but the payoff is then you know i was watching with the boy and i'm saying to him right the payoff is that later in the race when he comes out on fresh tires he'll have the extra pace then but he's sacrificing track position to do this but alex in this case it was softer faster uh everything he he, he got all the trump cards out of that tactical decision i think it's just I think it's just this case that he learns constantly as the race evolves. He had one go at Max under DRS, couldn't get it done, back straight off. And I think he just managed the gap, managed the gap, like he always seems to mm. do. Um, and then he was like, well, I'm just cruising at the moment. And then that's why that I, I loved that call. I'm going to go for it. Don't stop me. Oh. And, it's like, and, and you've got lots of people talking about, oh, you know, they changed the strategy for Lewis, but they won't change it for Bottas. Lewis didn't really give them an option. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm going to go for it. And his pace was good enough for him to go for it. Yeah. If his pace wasn't good enough, they'd have told him and he'd have pitted. Mm. But his pace was so good. I mean, faster than, okay, a slightly damaged Bottas and a, 
and a closing Max. Um, but I don't think Max had the pace in clear air to match Lewis anyway. Um, it would have been interesting if Bottas hadn't had the damage. But I just think Lewis just was commanding enough to go, this is what I'm doing, don't stop me. Um, but on the sense of strategy, if he was slow, if he was too slow, they would have stopped him. Yeah, well, I think from the Mercedes point of view, even if they were planning to stop him for the sake of fairness or whatever, um, and as Alex says, maybe Lewis wasn't giving them the choice. I, I felt that wasn't about don't pit stop me. I thought he was saying, I'm going to increase the pace now. Don't tell me to save tyres or to manage or anything. That's what I felt like he was saying. Like, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to push and see what I can do. So as soon as, like a couple of laps after that, uh, Mercedes can now see his pace. They can see that actually Bottas is holding up uh, Verstappen quite a lot. And they can see that that pace is only going to increase. That's when they say to him, okay, Lewis, can you go longer? And then a bit later on, can you go another 10 laps? They suddenly realized that the win had come to them. The one, two had come to them. Yeah, and I think it was very much the call he was making was was alerting the team that, hey, look, you really need to take a look at this because I'm feeling much quicker on these tires than I've been going. And I think they're going to last for a while. Don't don't just automatically follow the normal team orders. But I don't think the team was already going to do that because they already knew about Botas and they already knew about the loss of, I think Brad told us before the show, it was 50 points yeah. of downforce. Thanks to that piece of Ferrari stuck in his barge board. Okay, so Mercedes have uh, pulled, he showed a photo of that piece of Ferrari in the barge board that they pulled out. Now, unless that is a deep fake, uh, we can say that that really happened. But I did have my tinfoil hat on at the time because I was like, how are Mercedes going to unpick this? They've essentially, through strategy, handed the race to Lewis Hamilton. People are going to be very unhappy about that. But they can see the that the pace of Lewis Hamilton is, is very, very strong. Um, and as soon as they w- came on the radio, I went, oh, Valtteri, you've got this problem with aero. I went, oh, yeah, how convenient. How convenient, Brad, that they had a reason for their number two driver to do what number two drivers do, which is obey team orders, hold up other drivers, and play rear gunner. It all, it all seemed very, well, that's handy. So I understand why you say that, but did they really give it to him with strategy because it seemed to me that they gave Bottas the right strategy and whatever strategy Hamilton was on, he was going to find his way past Bottas. If they pitted Hamilton first, which would be unusual Mm. as he wasn't the lead driver, but if they'd given him that tyre advantage, he would have just made the most of that and just pulled away on the newer tyres. If you give him the strategy where he has to run longer, he'll win that way instead. I I felt sorry for Bottas and obviously having a piece of Ferrari wedged in his barge board (laughs) didn't help him. Um, but it did feel inevitable to me. The moment Hamilton was released, he was just going to do what he normally does and just go faster than whoever's holding him up. It, it almost doesn't matter. As long as he qualifies in the top three um, and nothing strange happens, at some point, the cars in front will get out of the way and then he can go for as fast as he can. Um, so yeah, that, it, it didn't seem to me like he was gifted it at all. And I know the VSC helped him, but he was, in my eyes, going to take the lead anyway. Well, I actually have left the VSC out of our critical points here because it it really didn't make a difference at all. But I I do find it interesting. If you look at the normal progression of a Hamilton following Botas until Botas's tires go off and then he pits. But usually what happens is that his tires go off and Hamilton can get by him. Makes an attack, gets by him as his tires go off before Mercedes bring him in because he has a hard time getting to the lap where he's supposed to pit. 
And yeah. in this case, if you look at the delta required to pass, I'm not as convinced that Lewis, even even Lewis, even Lewis having magically managed his tires, would have had as easy a time getting in front of him before the pit stops. And if he didn't get in front of him before the pit stops, it's maybe 50-50 getting to the end. Mm. I mean, I mean, he would pressure him. And we've seen Valtteri occasionally make that mistake under pressure. But it would have been much less of a foregone conclusion at this particular track with these circumstances had he not picked up that piece of Ferrari. Yeah, I, I was trying to get around in my head what we think would have happened had um, Bottas not covered off Verstappen. And let's say he could have gone on longer. I, I feel like they needed to cover off Verstappen to stop him getting past Bottas. Um, but uh, had he not done that, I think Verstappen was going to undercut him, basically. The, the undercut would have been on if they'd have left it any longer. And Matt, then Alex. Yeah, so the question I want you to ask is, suppose he hadn't had that damage and was running at his usual deficit to Lewis pace, maybe of a couple of tenths by the time we get to lap 19 or 20. Then what happened? With the damage, he had to pit and cover because Mercedes knew the pace wasn't there and they knew the damage was there. But if it wasn't, I, I would I would have given Valtteri about a 50-50 chance of actually walking away with winning this race. Fair enough. Alex? I mean, I also think the people who will talk about, oh, Merck favoring Lewis with the strategy, Lewis is in third. They want a 1-2. So they're going to do what they can to make sure Lewis at least jumps Max. And yeah. if Bottas hadn't had the damaged car, he would have jumped Max. So Merck would have had a one-two. Unfortunately, the damage that Bottas had brought that over. I actually do think the Mercedes favour Lewis Hamilton. I think they do it in subtle ways, and I think they're smart to do it. Um, here's the accusation, Alex, that I'll put back at you as a counter. When Bottas wanted to go on a different start tyre strategy, he didn't get it. Yet Lewis Hamilton says, I'm going to push harder, don't stop me. He gets a chance to show his pace, and then he gets what can only be described as a very alternate strategy. Why does he get that? But for Bottas, it was, oh, you know we don't do that. It wasn't really an alternate strategy. It was still medium to hard tyre for both drivers. Just one driver managed to make that tyre last longer. They said no to Bottas to changing to soft tyres in the last race, because that tyre would not have lasted. And it got proven um, at the end of the last race that that tyre would not have lasted. So it wasn't a case of Merck saying, no, you can't change your strategy, even though that's kind of how they made it sound. It was a yeah. case of, well, that tyre won't work anyway. Oh, well, I think there we go. I think for the front three, Matt, that was pretty much that. Um, we've got Mercedes running 1-3. We've got Verstappen in second place. And we've very much got a race of two halves. But no, there's more, says Mr. Trumpets. There is the critical third element of the podium that was brought about by the safety car. Uh, and you can't not talk about the safety car a tiny bit. I'm not ready. And I know, like, I see the pain and the agony in your face. Okay, let's do it. Because I even touch delicately upon this subject. Okay, so the only thing is, with the safety car, we're going to cover a lot of the midfield stuff. So yeah, yeah. let's cover the, the podium position specifically, and then the rest of the midfield stuff um, later on when we explore safety car part two so yeah look we had our top three settled as soon as verstappen uh exploded uh, first of all do we know exactly what happened to his tire to his tire yet uh brad you know it just looked like a straight blowout oh, didn't okay. it just a tire failure uh, a, an instant deflation an instantaneous deflation all right nothing he did wrong just one of those things just like a 
a Silverstone 2013 event. Matt's shaking his head. It could be debris, could be curbs. Well, this is it. Could be some new weird wheel design, but I have actually heard nothing about Mm. the cause cause of it at this point. Because when you have like such an active safety car period like that and loads of drama afterwards, you kind of forget about the before time. Like, for example, we've moved on so quickly, I forgot to mention, uh, I don't know if we should put this in the whose fault is it. No, Hamilton on Gasly, we'll put in the whose fault is it. Um, yeah, so Max Verstappen, his tyres go, he's he's in the dirt, immediately it pulls a safety car. I'm sitting there going, whoa, look at that, unbelievably, that puts Perez in the podium positions. And now you say things, because I'm done. And so, as we have seen so many times before, Racing Point cleverly decided because, you know, we, the, so the first thing to understand is it was very interesting. It was very interesting for a lap. Yep. Because Lewis missed the pit exit when the safety car came out and got picked up by the safety car. But Valtteri was able to pit immediately and get soft tires. So your first thought sitting there watching the race, writing the story is like, oh, this is going to be great. Valtteri's <laughs> going to have brand new tires, aero damage. Lewis is going to be old, cold tires. And, oh, it's going to be a race to the finish. And it's going to be kind of long because we were 53, 54, 55. All they got to do is move Max's car. But that was before, of course, Russell decided to take on a wall. Yes. Now then. But I digress. Well, it's quite interesting because you raise a good point. We've had it happen a few times where Hamilton's not been able to pit under a safety car for whatever reason. Or they've decided not to pit him. And he's ended up being vulnerable to guys with the new tyres behind him. Like, that's happened a few times. I I heard a sort of sense of desperation on the radio where, you know, Bono's there going, oh, you've got to come in, pit now, pit now. And he's like, oh, uh, uh, I can't. And I swear I saw some hesitation, but I we don't know where exactly he was on track. But instantly I thought of Monza. And I wondered if he had some kind of, like, PTSD from Monza where in that split second he didn't, he didn't know exactly whether he could, you know, go in and dive in. And he was almost like defending himself, saying, oh, no, I'd already passed it. You know, I'd already passed it. Uh, and then we had that wonderful kind of little race back to the pits where he's behind the safety car and you can see the timer ticking down from like 34 second gap to Bottas. And you're going, is he actually going to make it with that 27 second gap or not? Yeah, yeah. And it was fun listening to Bono, who always sounds like Lewis could be like, the car's on fire. Aliens have landed. And Bono would be like, OK, Lewis. We need you to go to mode seven now. <laughs> yeah. And could you move your brake bias forward by two clicks, please? And pl- instead, and- it was Bono. Delta, 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 Delta. And Lewis is like, it's okay. I've got this. <laughs> and it was, it was, it was, a, it was really an entertaining exchange to hear on the radio. But Mercedes did the trick. They got him in and out of the pits onto the same tires as Valdry was on and out in front of him. So status quo unchanged behind. And this is the first lap now, yeah. obviously behind Botas. Racing Point thinks, well, we're big boys now. We're wearing big boy pants. Mm. Let's do the same thing. And it just, I mean, the moment I saw it, I, I was like, I was a little dubious because I'd already seen, and I think probably most of the people watching the race had seen, that it looked kind of hard to overtake people. Yeah. Oh, it just felt like such a bad call. Alex, can you defend yep. the indefensible? Like I, I would as soon as as soon as I saw that he'd gone back into seventh, I was just like, "He's it's too much. There's too much to to do there. They've they've thrown away a podium." Yeah, I think they got outfoxed. I think they thought everyone else was going to pit, 
and they're like, oh, everyone's going to pit. It's a safety car. Everyone pits under a safety yeah. car. Oh, damn, they haven't pitted. Um, we're going to have to let the person who doesn't make too many risky overtakes try and make risky overtakes. Um, so unfortunately, yeah, it didn't happen. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, it's a good point. And if you look at the safety car restart, Matt, you know, again, Perez, not always the best off the line, not always the best after a safety car restart. Um, and you needed the kind of torpedo Kvyat style driving to, to take advantage of that. Um, but in the end, you know, Daniel Ricciardo had looked impressive the whole of the race, was a worthy podium uh, winner. And you could argue that the only reason that Perez was there in the first place was because he went long and the rest of the pack got held up behind Magnussen, who had not, had not pitted. Uh, you could argue that. I think he was faster on his mediums than Ricardo was on his hards by enough to make a difference. So that by the time he pitted, I think I think he would have been able to come out in front of Ricardo. Uh, by the time he pitted for his last step. Well, he did, in fact, but that's because Magnuson held him up. But he could have gone longer because we know he's a tire whisperer. And you can make this argument on and on and on. But the fact of the matter is having to pit early was a deadly mistake but absolutely necessary for anyone on the soft tire in the top 10. And we could instead argue about whether or not the tire rule, the Q2 tire rule, makes any more sense because Verstappen, Bottas, and Hamilton could start on the medium tire, which is clearly better to start on. Yeah. But it's the rest of the midfield that are now disadvantaged by that. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. If there's any common sense at all, I think this season has proved finally that the the qualifying on the qualifying, starting on your quality tire, only advantages 
Mercedes and Verstappen. Um, so you're doubling up on the advantage. I can't even remember what was the original purpose of that rule. Was it not just so that people would push hard in Q3? Was that why? The original purpose of the rule was to even up the racing because it gives free tire choice to anyone out of the top 10. And in fact, uh, right, yeah. if we look at how the race minus the top three, well, the top two plus Verstappen, who technically his race ended early, but would have been, you know, second or third. If we, if we ignore them and look at how it worked, well, it handed a pretty big advantage to everybody who started on the medium tire, except for our friend Esteban Ocon, who had to stop early because he had a uh, tear-off visor in his brake duct. Oh, is that what happened to Ocon? Yep. <laughs> oh, that is unlucky. He Otherwise. Yeah, he can't buy a brake. Otherwise, he would have been right there behind Perez, mm. running the same strategy, and as we saw last week, also able to run a set of tires as long as needed at reasonable pace. So, so what we saw here uh, at this track with this kind of strategic battle is the guys who could manage the tyres well had that advantage with the strategy that was key. It wasn't about out-and-out pace and racing. And we could have probably predicted before the race who would do what. Had we known in hindsight that that would have been so important, well, you could have predicted who would be you know, good on that. Hamilton, Perez, to a lesser extent, Ocon, Verstappen you'd have predicted they could make strategies work where others couldn't. Indeed. And I think the Ocon Perez comparison is the place we want to go next. But before we leave mm. one and lost, I do have a little things I like to mention. Go. The thing I need to mention is Gasly, who we lost very early on to a coolant leak. But I am convinced he would have been there or thereabouts for a podium battle. So is worthy of a mention in this section. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I know we keep raving about um, Gasly, Brad, but boy's been a, an absolute machine all season long. And he you could just paint that car in Red Bull colours, paint Albans in the Alpha Tauri colours, and you'd not know. You would not suspect a thing. Yeah, I was really gutted when he went out because I just, I'm willing him to do really well. I'm a little bit disappointed, or very disappointed, actually, that he's not managed to fly the Red Bull coupe uh, and has re-signed for Alpha Tauri. Yeah. I know it's a place he's comfortable and and I know he likes being there, but it kind of feels like this year his results have been so good time after time, especially with the win as well, that it, this might be the time where he could have broken free with enough credibility behind him. If he now has a so-so a season next year, that might be his chance gone to maybe move somewhere else. So I hope that isn't the case. But yeah, I was disappointed when he went out. I think he could have been in the hunt. Alex? I think they're. I think with AlphaTauri, they've got a really good car this year, and it's also a really easy car to drive. You never see them fighting it too hard. I think that's been the issue for Alex: is the car, the Red Bull, is very, very difficult to drive, and he can't get out of it what Max is getting out of it. I think if you plant probably any driver at the moment in that Red Bull, you plant any driver in the moment in that Red Bull, um, I think they'll have the same problem. I just think that. Alpha Tauri is a really good car that's simple to drive. Uh, well, I think if you're listening to this after Monday, uh, we can confidently say, well, now we know that Perez is confirmed for that Red Bull second seat. Uh, we will find out. We will find out if uh, a driver that we are rating this season, who's performed well this season, can do well in that second Red Bull seat. Uh, I I'm being facetious, of course, but that is the kind of, that's the noises. <laughs> Certainly me and Trumpets, we've been 
a certain source has been beating us over the head with their source saying that that is that's all but signed um Perez to to Red Bull uh, and of course we now know that he's not going to Williams but I wanted to talk to you Brad about Hamilton on Gasly on lap 1 I actually thought Hamilton's move was very very I'll be I think I think that's penalty worthy to just simply close the door and force somebody else to slam the tabs on because Gasly saved them having a big big accident I I don't know why Hamilton was just allowed to do that and it wasn't even you know like a little what what does Leclerc get he gets a, a hug then a black and white flag then another hug kiss on the cheek pat on the head and then maybe disqualified but I would like to see action against that kind of driving it looked very dangerous to me and rough so I, I haven't seen a detailed replay um, where I was paying attention to that element, but I know exactly what you're talking about um, because I, I spotted it when I saw it live. So it looked like Gasly had a really good run uh, around the outside of Hamilton on the approach to turn two. So the first proper corner where you have to break um, and Hamilton just decided to use all of the space up to the edge of the track and he kind of left it up to Gasly yeah. to avoid an accident. <laughs> but, but Gasly and, was and there. Gasly he was there. So he, he had an overlap, did he? Okay. Yeah. So he did extremely well then to to get on the brakes and, and duck back in without losing his front wing and without losing too much time because they both, if he just stood his ground, as he he had every right to do, you know, he could have just yeah. stayed in that gap and allowed Hamilton to drive into him, you know, violate all the lanes. Um, they could have had quite a big accident. Um, and at the very least, he could have broken a front wing and given Hamilton a puncture. So yeah. he did really, really well there to to avoid it. And I don't know, they don't tend to penalize things like that on lap one because everyone is everywhere and it's hard to look in your mirrors on both sides at the same time and all that kind of thing. But, um, but I know I can completely yeah. see your point. If you, if you boil that down to exactly what happened, Hamilton moved across on Gasly and left it up to him to get on the brakes. See, Alex, if that had been contact, that's Lewis Hamilton's fault. If that was contact, it not only would have been Lewis's fault, Lewis would have been in the wall on the right-hand side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because that's how far alongside Gasly was. To be fair, from both of them, I think it was lucky. I think Gasly knew the position he was in, knew he had to start breaking for that corner. And when you're all bunched up going into the first corner, you do have to break early because it's like the the um, the timing of Gasly breaking and Lewis coming across was the exact same time. I mean, I watched the replay and I winced because I'm like, how did he get away with that? Um, so I don't know if it was Gasly spotting Lewis or it just happened to be Gasly was breaking and Lewis was coming across. Um, but it's not penalty worthy because they had no contact. Yeah, if they sure, had contact, sure. that is totally Lewis's fault. Yeah, no, sure. And like I said, G- Gasly preserved his own race, as the chat room is rightly saying. Uh, but how do racing drivers feel about that? Bradley Philpott, as a as a signed, confirmed driver in top flight motorsport, how, do you, how would you feel if a fellow professional did that to you? Would you just go... Fair play. You you knew I had to back out there, or do you go? I'm going to have a word with him later. Well, since I'm potentially <laughs> racing in British touring cars, I fully expect moves like that at all times <laughs> in the race. Um, but so so that won't come as a surprise at all. Um, you can also get away with a lot more in in other series. Sure, Formula yeah. One cars are particularly fragile as race cars go, and they're going particularly fast. So I think you have to drive with a with that in mind a little bit more. Um, if that same example happened in tin tops, you kind of can generally afford to stand your ground a bit and let the other person bounce off you. Um, but yeah, the etiquette is essentially supposed to be pretty much the same. Um, but it tends to come down to who's got more to lose. And when someone does something like Hamilton did to Gasly, there's just an element of weighing up the, the odds of, is this driver going to 
do the nice thing for me and get out of my way, even though they don't have to technically, are they going to try and live to fight another day or not? And some, some part of your driver skill is judging that with the other drivers, you know, knowing how they're going to respond to your actions. Fair enough. Um, look, we're going to go and talk about Red Bull next. I think that's next on the team sheet, but you might get annoyed at some non F1 chat, but I don't care because Brad, uh, we have been supporting your your journey to try and make this BTCC stuff happen. And like we're just beyond, beyond excited. So we can't possibly move on without just getting a few details from you. Like, What are you doing? Tell us the, the team, your expectations. Um, assuming the race is going to go ahead, you know, how are you feeling going into it? Okay, so first of all, um, all your American audience have no idea what this is <laughs> okay, about yes. and what this initialism is of BTCC. So first off, it's the British Touring Car Championship. In the UK, it's the highest form of, of motorsport in the country. Um, it's obviously not on the single-seater ladder. It's not, it's not on that path, like the Formula One path. We're talking touring cars, tin tops here. Um, and it's kind of the only elite motorsport in the UK, which hopefully will play in our favour and allow it to continue during this upcoming lockdown. lockdown yeah. Let's see. Um, so what I'm doing is racing with the PMR team, which is Powermax Racing. They are a team founded about five years ago um, to effectively promote the Powermax brand of car cleaning products. And since shortly after that point, they became a, a Vauxhall factory team. Um, and they're the team that Jason Plato, who is the most successful British right. national um, driver um, in in homegrown races of all time. Um, so that's where he resides and will be driving again next year. So I'm due to be racing at the final round of the season, which is three races in two weeks time. So that's the, that's the short version. Amazing. Congratulations. And we'll give a plug to your sponsors at the end. Matt, were you going to jump in? Well, actually the chat room uh, in the form of Mark Greenhow had a question in that he had heard that BTCC drivers actually trained the police how to push cars off the road. Is that really true? <laughs> Don't, that's a naughty comment. Is that true? It's, it's potentially slightly true. Yeah. So I've, I've worked with, on various events that are like that with the police where um it's they weren't so much training events kind of training events but where you're driving at high speed with police and giving them some instruction and that kind of thing on circuits <laughs> so yeah and, and some of those other drivers were btcc drivers so i just want to say is an american if you've never watched btcc but you are aware of the phrase rubbing is racing <laughs> then this is definitely a series that you will want to do your best to catch when brad is driving very exciting let's move on to red bull Ah, oh, it's nice when nice things happen to nice people or or Brad, who beyond his podcast persona is evil. He finishes these podcasts and goes, right, where's my cat, Catherine? And then kicks it to vent his frustration. Uh, Red Bull, Max Verstappen, desperately, desperately unlucky there, Matt, because the Red Bull was showing real pace and they were saying, you know, we're faster in all the corners. It's It's just the straights. And it really just, it looked like Max was driving that car of course you never really know between car and driver but it's too much of a coincidence over the last few seasons i think we are seeing a max verstappen in form in a car that's got a ton of potential um yeah and just desperately unlucky to to not secure that second place yeah i mean it, it was it was a second place i don't think um you know, with the damage that he had with that piece lodged in his car that Valtteri was ever going to get back around him and he was struggling to stay in front of him. Mm. And uh, it just, it was really a shame because he's not had the best of luck in Italy anyway. 
that that on for on for a podium on for the second step of the podium his tire just went you know you know kaboom mm. and I, I think that's the that's the simplest side of the story in the red bull garage max verstappen who's been doing generally very well alex uh continued doing well and was unlucky i think his dnf rate this season is chronic actually i i don't know at one point he had a 33 percent dnf rate I don't know how many total he's had. The other side of the garage, again, fairly typical. Actually reminds me, Max actually hasn't finished a race in Italy. No. In the three Correct. Italian yeah. races we've had this year. Correct. Listen, Max was phenomenal today. Um, he, he was he was great all the way through the beginning of practice. He was the first one, bang on the pace. Um, and then the Mercs turned it up somehow in, in, in qualifying. Um, but Max has been phenomenal this season. And I think without, I, I'd love to see the results without all his failures, because I think he could actually really be challenging, if not beating Bottas. I haven't done the maths. I don't know if anybody has, but it'd be interesting yeah, to see so. where he lost yeah. places from, because he hasn't done anything wrong this season. I don't think he's really made any Ooh. errors himself that I can think of that's cost him anything i think he's been nigh on perfect this year mm, um that's probably and i would I, and i would i would love i just i just wish red bull could just come out fighting at the beginning of the season <laughs> yeah because if they'd had this pace at the beginning of the season where would they be now but they can't seem to start a season well and merck seems to annihilate the start of the season well it is a pattern with red bull they generally catch up better but I think they looked at where Ferrari was and figured they would take this year to institute a new fancy uh, front suspension design that they felt would help them in the long run because they figured they were only going to be picking up occasional podiums anyway uh, when Ferrari wasn't there. But that was before Ferrari decided to self-immolate and join you know the middle of the midfield. But if you look at and I, I don't know if, if you've seen, like, every so often someone will do, oh, let's compare this year's cars to last year's cars. And if you look at Red Bull, Red Bull is very clear that they their car at the beginning of the year was yeah. actually pretty seriously worse than last year's car. And it's remarkable that they've gotten results they have with what they've done. Okay, challenge. Uh, whenever I've um, asked for these kind of stats in the past, somebody has come up with, with the answer. So Alex asked for the stats of, uh, where Bottas and, and um, Max Verstappen would be if we forgave the DNFs and if we, you know, we reset them. What I'd like to know is where would the championship be if we take out Lewis Hamilton and replace him with a driver that always finished roughly behind Valtteri Bottas? That would be some interesting maths. Recreate every race, but no Lewis Hamilton, Alex, but uh, yeah, a driver behind Bottas and we'll forgive Max Verstappen the DNFs and see where that championship standings take us. Well, we did um, we did that for 17 and 18. We did that we? for 17 and 18. Uh, Ryan for- Cedric yeah. did that. So yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll message Ryan after the race and get him to crack oh, okay. on with that. Well, what he did was he, the- he, he forgave all of uh, Vettel's spins and Vettel-induced errors and put him back in the race. And he did the results that we would have got then. And, and I tell you what, Lewis Hamilton isn't a six-time world champion right now had Vettel not made those errors. 100%. So, you know, when they say that it's all the car, it's not really fair on on Lewis. Okay. Um, 
but yeah, I, I but I would love to see it. It would be really interesting. So I'll, I'll have a chat with Sedge after the um after cool. the show, and Fair I'll get enough. him to get get him to work on it. So Alban, obviously that's the elephant in the room that we're all dancing around. Um, Matt, it's it just horrible, absolutely horrible. You know, he's running around in eleventh for big parts of the race. Obviously, there was uh, long runners ahead of him, and then you've got to look at that unforced error. All I can think is that with Perez darting around the outside of him. As they went to that corner, he loses a bit of front-end downforce suddenly and, and spins getting back on the power. But, you know, that's not a new phenomenon. You've got to know that's going to happen. I would swear you may not read the show notes, but you're pretty good at catching up in the WhatsApp chat, aren't you? No, I didn't. No, I didn't see that. That is my own. That was my own independent okay. thought. How dare you? Okay. There was, in, Honestly, there was 300 messages in the WhatsApp when I caught up with it. Unfortunately, I was driving home from work. Uh, so these 12 p.m. races catch me out. And you should see the dance we have to do at home in order to avoid spoilers. They have to put the, the race on and then pause it. And then when I come in, I have to go, is, is it muted? Mute the TV. Mute the TV. I don't want to hear anything. So they run and they mute it. And then I have to run in and only reveal the bit of the TV and, and check that, you know, it's paused at the right time. And then slowly and tentatively move my hand up the screen to check for spoilers. And the only spoiler I got um, from the WhatsApp group was because I needed to post the live stream link for you guys so you knew what to share. And the only message I saw was Alex talking about the shoey. And I went, there's a shoey. And do you know what point I saw that at? Just before the safety car. So I saw the words Lewis and I saw the words shoey with Perez in fourth place. Then I saw Verstappen go off and two and two went together. And I went, this is not going to go well for Perez. <laughs> this is not Perez's race. And then I was, I spent that whole time telling myself, Alex, I must have misunderstood. I must have misread it. And then they pitted when no one else did. I went, nope, that's that. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. No, no, completely my fault. If you can't watch the race in real time and you get spoilers for any reason, it's your fault. Unless someone has specifically called you and said, you need to answer the phone because there's an emergency and then tells you the result. It's your fault. Um, No, so... All right, let, let's um, let, wherever I got that information from, Matt, it's still a, a huge unforced error at a time where he was specifically told you've got two races to save your career. Those two races have not gone well. Albon has got to be done. He's got to be done, done now. Well, what what occurs to me? I mean, first of all, could you imagine a worse thing? Than being told, oh, you have two races to save your seat. One of them is Imola, where you can't pass yeah. anyone. I mean, this is already bad news. Uh, despite that, and and if we take away the long runners, he was in the fight uh, for fifth position. It's, I mean, it's not where Red Bull would have really liked him to be, but he was not so far out of the picture before the safety car as to cause what I would say is undue concern okay but hang on just a slight caveat to that i mean there was two runners were taken out of it so ocon and gasly you could put them ahead of him maybe could you not oh yeah i mean i think if the race had played out and and they had stayed in the race that would have been fine but my point being it's not like he was losing tremendous positions over where he started he was in the battle to try and move up as the end of the race approached which is that is his forte. We have seen that time and time again. He makes up a lot of places near the end of the race. However, at Imola, I'm not sure that making up places was possible for anyone 
abs in a safety car restart. So you might wonder how we decide, you know, who's going to speak next. And generally, we're on a Zoom call and we're very polite. We put our hands up. Every now and then, though, I'm reading the eyes of my panel. And as Matt was talking, giving that very faint praise of Alexander Albon, and, and, and I'm glad someone's making the case. Brad, I saw you doing this, you know, rolling your eyes questioningly. Um, and I thought, oh, good, Brad can make my case for me and people won't yell at me for being an Albon hater. So I, I, that must be subconscious because I, don't, I wasn't <laughs> consciously rolling my eyes at what Matt was saying. What I was actually remembering was during the race, there was a point where either Crofty or Brundle said, the top three are pulling away over a second a lap. It was, you know, reasonably early on in the race. And I then had a look down at where Albon was. And I thought, there's a so there's a car that is capable of driving that much faster than Albon is currently going. And I thought, well, maybe he's being held up. And I checked and the gap in front of him was big enough that nobody was actually holding him up at that point. And I just thought, this is looking pretty dire. He's He's in a car which by rights, should be able to keep up with the Mercs. And he's just not even able to keep up with the racing point or the Renault or whoever's in front of him. It, it was a, it's not a great situation at the moment for him. The Alpha Tauri of Kefiat was bearing down on him for a lot of that race. And that definitely shouldn't be happening. So, listen, I, I don't like crapping on Albon because I really like the guy. But they've got to look for somebody else. And you know I love a good argument. So I'm going to come back with is we know that Red Bull were faster in the corners, which means they are going to be slower on the straights. And at dollars to donuts, AlphaTauri was not running anywhere near the level of downforce that Red Bull were. So him being vulnerable into turn two after leaving turn 18 isn't necessarily the most surprising thing about that. The most surprising thing about that was the fact that he effectively ran over Alvin's front wing and managed yeah. to do no damage to his tire or Alvin's wing whatsoever. So hang on. Or, or, or Kvyat's wing whatsoever. Was that, is that first left-hander? Was that turn two? Is the kick yeah. turn one? Oh, right. Turn one is that bend on the way <sighs> to the first chicane. Oh, yeah. they've gone all Sochi there. Why do they do that? If it's an F1 race, just if... If you don't have to lift or brake at all, just don't call it a turn. Turn one is the left-hander. Um... So actually, we'll go to you, Brad, because we always go to you for your lane system. The Kvyat-Alban contact was um, is, was a good example, actually, because we always talk about, you know, the lane system. If a car's there, you can't turn in. And unanimously, I think we all blamed Stroll for uh, the situation where he turned across, uh, forgotten who he hit the second time, Norris, uh, at the last Grand Prix. Now, in this situation, this is a situation where actually Kvyat wasn't really alongside when they came to what I'm calling turn one, the left-hander. He sort of appeared there in the braking zone. So am I right in thinking that like you would not blame Albon for fully taking the apex there? Yeah, so this is a corner where the speed at which you're capable of taking the apex or, or just making it through the corner is very, very much dependent on the line you enter the corner. And approaching that corner narrow, as Kvyat, Kvyat was, he has to really slow down a lot to make it through there without obviously running deep into the corner. So the fact that he was able to kind of draw alongside in the braking area or, or look like he was about to be able to, it doesn't really have the same uh, weight as it would do in certain other corners. Album was the only one of the two there that had any hope of carrying the speed that they yeah. were both traveling at <laughs> through the corner. And so from Album's point of view, he had every expectation that Kvyat would back out because he knew he's not actually going to be able to make it through here on that line at the speed we're both going. So it was kind of inevitable. Kvyat was showing a nose in the hope that Album would then act as if he was going to leave a car's width. But 
he he it kind of it worked out almost perfectly there was that minor contact but they both judged each other's reactions quite well in that situation Fault, is it? Okay, so if there had been contact, we could have given that... A, oh, no, there was contact. If it had been worse, I think we could say it was Kvyat's fault. But actually, there was contact, so that legitimately counts. Um, the two other whose fault is, is it is it, I never caught. I never caught any replay of Magnussen versus Vettel or Stroll versus Ocon. Did anybody catch either of those two on the replays? Uh, Matt did. What happened with Kevin Magnussen and Sebastian Vettel then on lap one? that ended up with a piece of red wing lodged in Bottas's floor. All right. So coming out of turn five, which is the exit of the Villeneuve chicane, if I've got all the words attached to the numbers correctly, <laughs> uh, Vettel screwed up, locked up, and lost a lot of momentum. Behind him was Kevin Magnuson, and Magnuson came round the outside, um, or it would have been turn six, I suppose, came round the outside, uh, on the way to turn seven, which is the hairpin Tosa up the hill, and was three quarters in front of him going into the turn. Vettel took the inside of Tosa, and I can only assume understeered into his side pod, mm. and then again into his rear wheel. And when he hit his rear wheel, that's what spun Magnuson. And I don't know if the racing gods believe in karma, but I will note that uh, at his problematic pit stop, one of the problems was the right front wheel, which made contact with Magnuson two ah, times okay. in that one corner. Right. Okay. Right. I owe, I owe Ferrari a massive apology then. Uh, I'm glad I wasn't watching it live and tweeting stuff. But I was after Vettel's pit stop, where they had not just one but two tyres struggle, you know, I was just going, oh, what is going on at Ferrari? Because I was watching the, the rear, and I was going, they're struggling on the rear, and they finally got it on, and they went, all right, you know, off you go then, Vettel. And no, they're still struggling with the front. So the Ferrari pit crew are completely let off. And and actually, we should have known better. I should have known better than to assume that an F1 team who practices and drills the hell out of pit stops was going to, like, just muck up that badly for, for no reason. So I didn't even need to admit that, Jeansy. Didn't even need to admit that. I could have got away with that. That was private rage that I've shared. They've messed up pit stops before. They are no, they they are nowhere near the slickest pit stop team. I'm not saying they do that a lot, but they're nowhere near the slickest team. Um, yeah, no, I'm going to com- concur with um, with Matt on that. <laughs> Fair that enough, 100. Seb, he he violated the lane system and took poor K Mag out, who didn't seem like he had a good weekend, let alone a good race. Uh, Bless him. He seemed a little bit. He he, he retired with a headache. Bless him. <laughs> That's kind of true, Matt. It's always bad when your Formula One car punches you in the head every time you upshift. Oh, I don't because know. Because they upshift a lot, if I'm being honest. The uh, thing is, Alex, determination is is kind of, sometimes it can uh, correlate with what's at stake. And when you're running around at the back of the grid and you're getting hit in the head, that feels like a reason to stop. If you were fighting for the podium, every hit in the head, you'd be going, yeah, come on, take it, take the pain, I can do this. But 18th, you're like, Nah, sod this. Especially when you've just found out that you aren't going to be an F1 as well. Yeah, before I defend K-Mag, um, it was really funny that even Jeremy Clarkson took to Twitter to <laughs> take the mick out of K-Mag and he's in, in bless him, retiring for a headache. Uh, you know, stay home from school today, darling. You, you've, got, you've got a headache. Do you know what? No, it, did, but, it did have that air about it. Yeah, but anyway. If you've got, if you, I mean, I don't know what F1 gear, gear shifts are like, but they're aggressive anyway. 
But if they're overly aggressive, it's usually down to something in the software that means they're very aggressive. And if the, if the gear changes are super aggressive, the whole car shifts, which also makes driving the car difficult because it means you can't get on the power and shift gear. Because if you get on the power and shift gear, when you're, in a, when you're turning, you will lose the back. So the car was probably horrible to drive yeah. and punching him in the head. I don't blame him. And as you said, you know, typical Fernando Alonso <laughs> syndrome. Oh, I'm not in the points. There's a problem with the car. I need to pit. Yeah. So we don't know. Obviously, very unfair. It could have just been like a horrendous pain. And that and that's why he pitted. That's fine. Uh, but we, we always reserve the right to judge people doing incredible things and sit in our sheds and go, it's just a headache. Listen to us. Uh, Brad, you were showing me some phone footage. Was that of Stroll versus Ocon? For the next, whose fault is it? No, it oh. was Stroll. It was Stroll versus Marshall standing on the track whilst he's going full speed because the really? drivers have been told to unlap themselves whilst there were still several Marshalls stood literally on the track. So it's Stroll coming around the blind corner. I don't know what they're called at the top of the hill before you drop down into Aquaminerale, where Russell's incident was. Uh, they mm. were clearing up the debris on the track from Russell's incident. And Stroll rounds the blind corner at full speed, catching up with the pack, and there are marshals literally stood there. So uh, whose fault is it? Probably race control. Right. Okay. But this is, is did you say this is when they were unlapping themselves? Yeah. yeah this when the cars have been told to, when they've been yeah. released to okay. catch the pack. So, so that's not Stroll's fault necessarily. No, no, no. Not yeah. at all. Race control's fault. But <laughs> Stroll versus the front jack. We can definitely discuss that. Can I just say, first of all, Okay, it's easy to laugh at Lance Stroll making that mistake, Alex. But, uh, you know, the first thing he did was come on the radio and go, Oh, no, my colleague, my, my, my poor colleague, is he okay? Oh, my goodness, please, please tell me he's fine. Let me know the second he's okay. Oh, no, 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 no that's right. He, he made, immediately made an excuse as to why he... <laughs> that, that hit me the wrong way, Alex, because he, he was like a kid who was in trouble and straight away just going, Whoa, oh, It wasn't my fault. It, it wasn't me. It's not like he knocked a mate over while running around in the playground. He knocked a bloke over with a Formula One car um, and then blamed it on cold brakes. You've been on the safety car for however many laps. Of course you've got cold brakes. You have a big dashboard and it tells you on your dashboard the temperature of your brakes. And the only thing he could say with his words were, oops, sorry, I had cold brakes. Yeah. Not good enough. I don't you think so. Titled little... Oh, okay, wait, 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 yep, 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 yep. Now, all of you there, let's face it, Lance is young, and I just I just want to say that, first of all, those cars are still going, like, really, really fast. <laughs> Not as fast as they used to go, but they're still going really, really fast when they drive at the people. And so it's a scary thing to see, and I'm glad everyone's okay, but it could have been so much worse. Imagine, he could have just come on the radio and said... Is there any damage to my front wing? <laughs> he didn't do that. At least he knew he'd done something wrong and tried to cover it up, which I think is like a step. Oh, Ma- you know, Ma- Ma- maybe you are just the nicest person. You're like, like, yeah, but he didn't. He didn't pull a knife out and cut his eyebrows off. Uh, Phil Pot. So the thing that was most impressive about that whole incident is when you saw it in slow motion. Before the guy had even properly hit the floor. There was another Jack from the spare Jackman <laughs> under the nose of the car. They were like, okay, that guy's a write-off. We're in here. And they just immediately got in there. It was having the presence of mind to for this other guy who was just obviously stood nearby to just get straight in there and carry on with the pit stop. They literally have a run-over mechanic protocol. It's hilarious. 
I mean, that is brutal, isn't it? That's that's like some military grade <laughs> compassion. I, you know, yeah. Well, there you go. If you if you stamp on the line of ants, the ants they just close up. I guess. Ah, well, that was a good um. Whose fault is it? Segment. Oh, ugh. I know where we're going next, and I don't want to go here because as as a British, predominantly British, but I would say transatlantic as well. Uh, podcast. You know, we we do end up gunning for the the Brits, and and Matt ends up gunning for you know Haas. There's a little part of him that wants an American team to do well. I don't think that's bad. A lot of sport is like that. It's tribal, and yeah, it's silly to be tribal and whatever, all that kind of stuff. But it's part of what helps us enjoy sport. It's like putting a little a pound on the result of the race. It just sweetens the pot a bit. So yeah, you can get behind your national drivers, and and British media is behind the British drivers. <laughs> Generally, well, you know, Russell and, and Lando. Um, <laughs> but uh, everyone's wishing these young drivers well. Everyone's wish- wishing George Russell well. And he has played a, a fantastic media game, hasn't he, Alex? You know, he is on point with his interviews, with the Twitch stuff, with the, you know, with, with how he puts himself out there with his Instagram and stuff. Um, so we wished him well. But today, oh, oh, big oof, big oof. Hard to find any positives out of that. Um, worse than Albans. It's just horrible. Like, what happened there? God damn you, Carl, um, Marcus Ericsson. <laughs> um, oh, man. And, you know, I, listen, I've said it. I've been saying it for a couple of years now. I think George is, George is top, top dog. And listen, he made a silly error, and you could see it all over his face while he was sat on the ground smashing himself in the leg. Um, it, Formula 1 cars are hard to drive slowly. And he's trying to get a bit of tires and a bit of heat into his tires, turns left to weave as he gets on the power going down a hill, and it just goes while in the points. While in the first Formula One points. What could it have been, seventh or eighth, even? (sighs) Heart bleeds. Yeah, I'm just looking at the look on Brad's face (laughs) when you said that. Basically, this thing pained me, as I'm sure it did a lot of people, because. I'm I'm a George Russell fan, not because he's a Brit, but because I love to see people who are genuinely excellent doing well consistently and kind of proving your belief in them to be correct. And over and over and over, George Russell seems to just be pretty faultless, obviously in qualifying, appreciating that he doesn't always have the strongest teammates, but he just seems to always do the job. And even today, he'd done a brilliant job. He dragged a Williams up into the points on Amazing. merit. Yeah, 13th. Really, really strong. Yeah. 13th on the and grid. Then, yeah. And then just out of the blue... It, it looked so, it snapped so quickly that I was convinced initially that it was a car failure until I saw the replay again and realized it really was just him trying to warm his tires. And it, it just got caught out. Obviously, you know, it's a part of the track where he will have never been going that slow before, almost certainly with tires at that temperature, probably just hit a bump that he's just, you know, you're just not doing that with the car at that point of the track ever. And he just got caught out, and I'm sure it will. It will probably never mm. happen to him again. Um, but I'm sure he is extremely gutted, and uh, and we all were very gutted watching. We've seen it. We've seen people do that before. So you're right. You're on cold tires. You're 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 weaving the car, so you're putting big, you know, left right loads on it, and deliberately getting on the power uh, while you're doing that. So you've got a combination of slow speed and um, I guess kind of low torque because you're deliberately getting the wheels RPM up and stuff. Uh, but still, even though, even then, like he should be able to manage that without smashing it into a wall at that level. 
the problem is the torque builds so instantaneously right. and yeah. not necessarily predictably. You know, the car delivers power slightly differently depending on what mode it's in and 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 how the the car's electrical component decides to deploy the power. And it it wasn't like oh he's he's not got any car control. If he did that exact same thing in a whole host of other types of car, the car would have had enough progression. The slide would have been yeah. progressive enough that he could have realized the feedback loop in his mind would have realized that the rear is sliding. He would have come off the throttle, applied opposite lock, saved the slide. But it happens so quickly in a Formula One car that by the time you, by the time even his subconscious has realized it's happening, it's too late to save it. Um, and normally there's downforce and, and, and other factors and that, that kind of help you out. But at that point, it was just too much to do anything about. Wait, I just want to answer, some, answer something in the in the live chat because it, there's um, people in there that are determined that we're just being too soft on him because he's Russell. And people keep pointing. It's winding not winding me up. It's fine. Being professional. But people keep pointing to, oh, uh, uh, Robert Kubica scored more points than him. Latifi's higher than him in the what's it. But look, if Williams was the racing point right now, there is absolutely no doubt that George Russell would have scored you know, more points than either of those two drivers. He's literally never been out-qualified with either of those two. It is a... It's a... It's a... It's a I don't think that's a good argument. I'll pick my words a bit more carefully. Matt, then Alex. Well, I would agree with you, having seen him race enough other things and other demonstrations. He's very, 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 very good at what he does. And I just think he's a very nice boy. And I think he felt bad for his friend, Alex. And he was just sort of trying to make Alex look less bad. And I just think, you know, it got a little out of hand is all. I've said this before on here, which is the thing that, makes me aware that George is better than the car he's driving and should be in a better team. And why I'm going to give him this one is because if you watch any of his track guides, and if you've noticed, they've done a lot of track guides with George lately because his laps are pinpoint. And in a car that's not easy to drive, in a car that's not very quick, he is absolutely pinpoint knows the exact right parts of the circuit to be on and it came from last year when he was stood there with Alex Albon comparing their Suzuka laps George's lap was much better than Alex's lap he was using more of the track he was getting he was much more accurate with what he was doing so that is part of the reason I believe George is much better than where he needs to be which is why I am going to give him a pass for this particular (laughs) oh no I'm not giving him a pass he's fluffed it he's thrown away a points position that he desperately needs and I'm wondering whether he has yips. I'm wondering whether he's having some Hulkenberg-style yips when he gets into the point. You've never heard that phrase, Alex? It's, Explain um, yips. It's like it's like a performance pressure where you suddenly can't do something that you normally do very simply um, because you go under pressure. Like golfers, they get they get um, they get it where they suddenly start swinging and it hits the heel of the the club instead of the instead of the main bit of the club. He won GP two from with some incredible no 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 no. you're not getting it you're not getting it these this is what happens to top level professionals who suddenly just find they can't do things that they can normally do well because of either performance pressure or they've mentally put themselves in a in a in an alley in a dead end and that might be happening to russell in the points golf putting it's a super fine muscle control exercise and as you get older you become prone to just snatching the putter instead of gliding it through where the ball is and it's always been called the yips and it's just a thing that can happen and as you point out rightly spanners especially in a high pressure situation and this was his he knew he was in the points at that point i mean he knew he was in the points 
so much that Williams put it out on social media. He was in the points. Brad. Yeah, but I I just think this is, imagine there was no safety car and he just found himself in the points. This situation doesn't happen. It's just a specific, it's a, it's a Formula One drivers aren't always driving F1 cars at this speed. And as I said before, he won't have ever driven it at that speed on that part of the track in that way. It's just one of those things that it's like just an anomalous situation. And I, I think it would need to happen one or two more times in a similar way before I'd say that he has some kind of issue there or mental block. I, I don't think he does. I think that race plays out normally uh, and he he just finishes the race and everyone's happy and he's got points. All right. Yeah, fair enough. Let's move on to the podium. Well, I can see Matt is terribly unhappy with me for moving on, but we are an hour and 14 minutes into our race review and we do we do strive for a strict hour that we never, ever go over. But that doesn't mean to say we don't have time to give you a quick plug for a book called Hello and Farewell and Hello and Farewell. That's right. That's the name of the book. And it's from one of our Patreons, uh, Patreon supporters, Lydia Cruz. Um, and it is, let's let's see what she says. It is a pre-sale book going uh, going live on November the 4th. It's an illustrated memoir about going through the mental illness diagnostic process as well as estate sales, good dogs, bad dogs, not getting enough vegetables and holding on even if it's just by your fingertips. And that might be something nice to check out, especially uh, the times we're going through at the moment. If you look at your show notes in YouTube and on your app, you will see a link to the Etsy page uh, of Lydia. Um, So thank you very much to Lydia for her support. Go and check out her book. It is called Hello and Farewell and Hello and Farewell. I'm not lying. That's the name of the book. Um, Whilst you're looking at those show notes, you can also buy me and Matt a pint if you want. You can also buy Jeansy a pint, but I wouldn't. He gets very fighty and abusive after a beer. You know, Justin Azevedo in the YouTube chat has already bought you a pint today, Spanners. (gasps) What? I will drink that pint. Thank you so much. Was that in the super chat? There we go. It was indeed. Very good. Uh, But you can go to mistapexpodcast.com forward slash tip jar, or you can click the link that says patreon.com forward slash mistapex and join our fantastic community of patrons in our Slack group. We hang out. We have fun. We do stuff. It's uh, I'm in there every single day having a chat, and um, we've been doing that for a couple of years now, and I think it's been really good. It's been fun. But you'll also get... Uh, some extra streams. We didn't do the patron-only stream on Friday because I forgot my wife had a gig. But good news, everyone, we're locked down. So musicians have no more gigs. So that means more Patreon streams. I'm joking. That's good, not good news. That's that's crushing. Uh, but you'll also get an ad-free feed and you'll get the satisfaction of supporting an independent podcast creator. The only podcasts that survive are the ones that are supported, either backed by big networks um, or supported by listeners like we are so thank you so much for that support patreon.com forward slash missed apex all right okay matt i want to go on to awards but when i clicked the podium button your eyes were rolling all over the place what's up g well and it's not about the um extensive show notes that i put together It's about one particular fact that I think is perhaps the most amazing part of today's race. 
excluding Mercedes winning the seventh championship in a row. Wait a minute. Would you say that what you're about to say is describing your thing of the weekend? No, I don't think it is. That, it sounds like a perfect candidate for thing of the weekend, which is the awards that I'm starting now. Do, do you know what? I'm just doing it. Right, guys, it's time for thing of the weekend. Hey, Matt, what's your thing of the weekend? Well, my thing of the weekend was going to be something different, but fine, I'll make it this. Out of all the things we saw today, Russell driving to a wall, Verstappen, Botas, the spins, the thrills, the excitement, the thing that amazed me most was the fact that we saw Esteban Ocon and Perez start next to each other on the grid and not crash on the first lap. Yep. <laughs> yeah, they, they get on better now, don't they, for some reason, than when they were both in, uh, in the Force India cars. Uh, Bradley Philpott, BTCC driver. Not just, not just for this race, with any luck. Hopefully going forward. A launch pad to better things. Um, what was your thing of the weekend? My thing of the weekend, predictably, was the paddock cat, um, which was wandering around like it owned the place. <laughs> and Lewis Hamilton gave him a stroke for good luck before the race, and it worked. Yeah. That uh, cat. Yeah. Sorry. I'm that just... cat gave no no screws that he was meeting Lewis Hamilton. He didn't care that that was six-time world champion Lewis Hamilton. Um, I did hear reports that even that cat understood to not go into the racing point garage uh, and instead went to, to all, all the others. You know, cats get rona too. That's all I'm saying. Uh, uh, Brad, he did his. Uh, Alex! Alex Van Jean. At Alex Van Jean. So you've got a really awkwardly hard surname. I would have changed that. If I was you, I would have created some weird stage name. I would have just gone by Jeansy. I would have been at Jeansy F1. But it's, it's, you, you don't. You use it. Bless you. You're proud of it. V-A-N-G-E-E-N. V-A-N-G-E-E-N. You've got a Twitter, Alex Van Jean, and you've got a YouTube channel, which is just a random assortment of really long live streams. <laughs> um, I have Twitch now too, um, which is what which which is what I stream to. I've successfully successfully I can't say successfully, but I have successfully streamed to Twitch, Facebook, Twitter, and um, right. YouTube twice. Okay. So that's working well. In, in um, twenty seconds, tell me normally, why I should subscribe to you. Twenty seconds. Normally, normally on a Wednesday, I stream um, F one from iRacing. You get to see me racing, and I talk to the chat. And if you want to laugh, I did a live stream last night of a horror game where. I spent most of it scared with my mate, Nick, who is Franconian guy who is in the chat right now, um, where he screams twice so loudly that he breaks his microphone. So if you want to go and have a giggle, go to my YouTube and have a look at that because it was very, very funny and scary. I know that guy. And we're now doing Flight to Jets. I know him, Nick. I know that guy. I've shot him in the face. You do. (laughs) We were on on the same team. That was unfortunate. (laughs) Uh, But what was your thing of the weekend this weekend? Got a few, but I'm going to stick with one just because it really, really made me laugh, and I thought it would never happen. Was Danny Ricardo giving a shoey to Lewis Hamilton, and Lewis actually doing a shoey? Um, if he gets coronavirus now, it's ridiculous, but it doesn't really matter anymore. Oh um, but seeing Lewis do a shoey, which he said he'd never do before, because mm. I think he said the one a couple of years ago he said the juice of the foot is something I never want to taste. <laughs> Yeah, he asked Daddy, and you see the look on Daddy Rick's face when he goes, really? You want to do it? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realise he'd asked to do it. Well, I'm right. Look, fair enough. You know, um, someone in our Slack group pointed out Lewis would get less stick if he showed the more fun side of his personality a bit more often. Instead, he expresses himself through his music and 
you know, denim, all pink uh, denim two pieces, which I think seems to be a thing, that particular style. Obviously, I don't know the fashions of the day, but Dizzy Rascal went on Ed Norton on Norton Show or something or Jonathan Ross. And he was in pretty much the same outfit, but yellow, yellow version of it. So it must be like some some fashion thing that I've missed, Alex. I'm I'm not up with fashion in the slightest. I mean, I wear Mest Apex stuff most of the time, <laughs> either this T-shirt or the hoodie. Or pyjamas. Um, and the last thing he wore, which was a, 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 a stripy patterned thing, I yeah. didn't like. However, he put. I think he pulled the double pink off, to be fair. I think he looked quite good. Because um, I normally give him so much shtick for... Um, for the, some of the stuff he wears. But yeah. I thought he rocked it, to be honest. Uh, yeah, so maybe, I don't know, if Lewis Hamilton... I, I'm wondering if we see the, that funner side of Lewis Hamilton towards the end of his career and he goes a bit Alonso-y. But, you know, you can't argue that he's that he's not had an intense period of spotlight on him uh, as he's been working towards these championships. And, yeah, dude's a little uptight when he talks to people. Probably a bit understandable. Shoey's a gross... He shouldn't have done that. I've never liked it, Brad. Oh, sorry. I thought I don't you were have any comment. Me. No, I don't have any comment on that. Um, I would have done it though. I, I'd do someone Shuri. Maybe not during the coronavirus, but I don't know. It's I not, think it's not very social distancing, anyway. is it? It's not very. Well, I didn't see that in the rule of six. Uh, you may drink out of one friend's shoe. Maybe the F one bubble is different. I'm going to give my thing of the weekend to. Oh wait, hang on. You all got to plug a thing, didn't you? Before your What's it? Before your thing of the week, you all got to plug a thing. Oh, Matt didn't, but his is next. Mine is, check out my new project. If you like 90s music, which disappointingly to me is being described as nostalgic music, then check out my new show that is available to Spotify Premium uh, customers. If you're not on Spotify Premium, you can still check it out, but you only get a 30-second clip of the show. But I'm doing it three times a week, little half-hour chunks with five songs and a bit of Spanners-style chat um, and I see where those songs take me in my mind um, and treat it like a bit of a diary show as well. A little half an hour for, for your commute or perfect size for you know, mowing the lawn or doing something like that. Uh, it's called Spanners 90s Radio. Search for it on Spotify. Give it a follow. Check it out. I've tried to design it to be very easy background listening to be there on your on your podcast playlist. But if you're a Spotify premium customer, uh, that comes with the full tracks. So you get like five 90s tracks with me waffling over them. Please check that out. My thing of the weekend is uh, Daniel Kvyat. Uh, well, Alpha Tauri in general. But uh, Alpha, uh, but um, Daniel Kvyat's restart after the safety car, for me, definitely the thing of the weekend. Fully aggressive. And that shows what happens you know, if you roll the dice a little bit. Perez didn't roll the dice. But I think Kvyat saw, well, I'm not often here. And there's only five laps now that George Russell made the safety car eight times longer. And he went for it. And he took that opportunity that Perez could have taken. And so Daniel Kvyat, my thing of the weekend, Matt, I think that's fair. Oh, yeah. I mean, that restart was magic. He went up the inside as Perez went to the outside, Mm. nailed two places, and then completely surprised Leclerc up the hill uh, to turn eight, went round the outside, and... That was as much overtaking as we saw. And he's the only person to start on the soft tires and pull off like a really successful race in the top 10 of the midfield. So, yeah, not that it did him any good with Alvatari mm. or no. Red Bull, no, but maybe it did him some good somewhere. 
Awesome. Now let's do the bit where we judge elite drivers from the comfort of our own sheds. Oh no, you missed the apex. Oh, it feels so bad here. You know, we just sit here and go, oh, that was bad. That was terrible. We couldn't hold a candle to them. Well, maybe Brad could. Um, In fact, we'll start with you, Brad. Who gets your missed apex award? This is the bad thing award. Um, I'm probably going to take an obvious one. There were quite a lot, weren't there, this weekend? There were quite a few people. Oh, I want to. I was about to list them all off, but then I'd ruin everybody else's <laughs> turn, so yeah. I won't do that. Um, let's just go for Albon because he needed to do well. He was already not doing very well in the race and then spun in an unforced error. So um, I know he's yeah, on yeah. old hard tires and you know it was after a safety car, but it still doesn't. Doesn't excuse him. He spun. He needed a really good result. Didn't have one. Oh, man. A good candidate for thing of the weekend would have been Carlos Sainz avoiding that accident. Like, he just got on those anchors quickly. And even watching the replay, even watching it in slow motion, I still feel like he fully plowed into Albon, even though I've seen the evidence that he didn't. Uh, Alex Van Jean, who missed the apex for you? See, there's one I want to give and one I don't want to give. So I'm going to give the one I want to give because... I've slagged this guy off before, is Lance Stroll for running over his engineer and just going, oops, sorry. My bad. cold. Didn't even say my bad. You could at least go no. my bad. He was like, it wasn't my fault. How is the poor guy? He didn't ask. There was nothing. On, I mean, doesn't mean it didn't happen. But we saw nothing on the radio of him going, is the guy all right? Because they were all carting him off. Maybe he did. Was, Maybe we, he did. Maybe he did and we didn't Maybe catch he it. Did. But, but it wasn't the first instinct. However, what was funny was I caught a, a kerfuffle in the pit stop because we didn't see the, mm. the him running the guy over live. So I saw a kerfuffle in the pit lane, in the in their pit box. It looked like there was a fight going on, but it wasn't. It was them trying to carry the poor bloke Stroll had run over out. So, now, I've, I've not heard uh, yeah, anything it, about him being seriously, seriously injured, so I'm still hoping no. that everything's fine. Uh, but you we could see okay. by the... Oh, we've got a thumbs up. Um, you could see by the look on his colleagues' faces, like there was one lad out there who was looking at it. There was already people dealing with it, and his face was just like whoa that's bad and it's one of those moments like recently we were on holiday and a a rock the size of like two footballs put together my brother-in-law pulled it off a cliff and it dropped on my son's head and there was that moment where you go oh my god has that crushed his head um he's fine he's there's no brains in there um right uh matt two rumpets who missed the apex for you well i too am going to avoid the obvious candidate at this point in the process and i know i don't mean the ferrari pit crew mm. i'm gonna go racing point strategists yeah they missed a really really big and kind of obvious apex with their call to bring perez in assuming they knew that that would put him out behind the people he was fighting with because it just it was the tire advantage was never going to be enough on its own I mean, uh, I'll put it to you this way. The best person on the restart was Kvyat. He got three places in half a lap and passed no one else yeah. to the end of the race. That should have been kind of obvious to Racing Point as well. Someone's saying tree face is now rockhead. Oh, my God. We've let so many things hit him really hard in the face or head. We're terrible parents. But it's okay because we've put him as Brad's charge. So we're going to, with all that head damage, he's just going to be a racing driver. So it'll be it'll be fine. Um <laughs> Sorry, that's really bad. Uh, yeah. Missed Apex Award. We've still got one left, haven't we? Um, I think mine is going to go to Haas. They are the worst team now. 
and that that's all. Like Williams have quietly, comfortably overtaken them, especially on a Saturday. Haas are the the worst team. Well, there we go. Uh, what about ponies, though? Do we have a? We must have a pony award. Can only be K-Mag, right? Oh, i got a headache. Oh, Can I come in now? It's got to be K-Mag. Can't be anyone other than K-Mag. I, I think uh, Perez, at the end of the race, might be a candidate talking about the lost podium. Oh, well, I didn't hear. Tell me what you said. Oh, no, he was just like, we threw that one away. Oh, I mean, they did throw it away. He's not wrong. I mean, there should be perhaps an award for an accurate pony. <laughs> like a justifiable pony. But, you know, yeah, a justifiable pony. whenever the safety uh, but, car comes in, Alex, it is, you know, it's track position versus tyres. Yeah, and surely here, tyre, a track position. Sorry, Matt, go ahead. I was going to say the only other candidate I could really think of would be uh, Bono with his Delta, Delta, Delta. That's what I was going to go for. <laughs> Good That's pony. what I was going to go for. I mean... The normally very cool Bono was, yeah, got very, very, very overexcited. But, um, but yeah. All right then, Matt. Well, we've only got one week. Uh, one week. We've only got one. It's been a long season. We've only got one award yeah. left. Comment of the week. And I hope those of you who took my advice to go and um, get a ticket for my wife's live virtual, uh, virtual, not virtual, live gig that was transmitted over Zoom, live and in the moment. I hope you guys enjoyed that and I hope it was worth my recommendation. Go check out Basis Street on your music subscription app, Basis Street. Right then. Uh, comment of the week, Matt. Who's the candidates in the live chat? Has Brad got one? Brad's got a candidate to leap in with first. Yeah, so I actually saved a few at the start. Um, <laughs> Matt's probably already seen them and apologies okay. if these are a bit dark, but let me give you three. Um, I don't know who the... Oh, yeah, this was by Aniket. Breaking, Albon test positive for Gasly 19, um, referencing oh, how, um, how Albon is, is performing similarly to Gasly last year. Um, Maria Antero says, COVID may be Albon's only chance for a positive result this year, which I thought was accurate, if a little dark. Um, but my favorite of the lot was die number 36. If Bottas is in the lead, he gets to choose how he loses the win. Ouch! Who is that? Who made that comment? Die? Yeah, die, die number 36. Oh, okay, Matt, that is a strong contender. Oh, Van Jean's coming in with some. Wow, okay. I got, I got, I got one, which okay. was from Ed, EJ Hammer, which was um, Alex Alspun. <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> uh, Trumpets, can you beat the die 37 comment? Uh, I will give it my best shot, uh, but I need, to do, I need to mention that our friend Ihammer has bought pints for both Alex and Brad. As well. So no, thank you, I that's doing it wrong. They're very minor characters on the show. Fine. Thank you very much, Ihammer. Very generous. I shall pass that on um, eventually, if they remember. All right. It's time for the pros. First up, Gust. The Ferrari piece in Bottas' car was the only leading Ferrari in 2020. <laughs> what is wrong with the chat room today? They are savage. And by the way, it's not just the drivers getting heat. We're all getting heat in there today. Uh, welcome, chat room. Uh, low stealth along the same lines. Mercedes too fast. Insert Ferrari parts. Wow. Unbelievable. These these are super mean, but also hilarious. And our friend iHammer is in with George Russell, was just practicing as a stand-in for Robo Race. 
if you saw that video. I did. That was an unfortunate start to the Robo Race live stream. It went off the grid and immediately turned right into the wall. Eerily similar to what George Russell did. Russell bot confirmed. I cannot tell you how much I'm having to restrain myself from a 10-minute chat on the technical reasons why that happened. We'll, we'll, it's fairly new. It's fairly young technology. So like a toddler being in the car, it just turns itself into a wall. Um, I can go back to something. We talked about um, uh, points. Uh, and we talked about talking to Ryan Cedric about points. Um, he's already come back to me with points, if you want to hear it. We'll save it for our next we'll news show. We'll save it. All right, we'll uh, save it. That's, that's good to know that we've got that already. Um, earlier in the show, I had asked if we could have some point scenarios for some connotations if Hamilton wasn't in the championship. But Matt, let's finish comment of the week. Uh, Count Blas in with Ferrari wasn't affected by lack of track data. They botched Vettel's stop like pros. Again, it looked like there was damage caused, which mitigates the Ferrari pit crew's struggles. Oh, Mark Greenhouse, stroll. What's pit stop strategy? Race engineer, go long, stroll. Will do. <laughs> in the pit box. So what's happened here is over over the years, I've said to Matt, only three nominations, please. Matt has had an increasing amount of nominations throughout the years. And then Gene Z and Brad have piled in and added even more. It's just, you know, I've just got no sway around here. This podcast is basically like my marriage. I have no power and everything I say is irrelevant and ignored. Well, I'm glad to hear that because the rest of them are pretty good too. <laughs> the rest of them. No, shut up. It's done. Um, We've got to give it to, to Brad's one, haven't we? Die 35. Go on then, Brad. Read that one out again. Okay. That one was... um. Sorry, I'm scrolling back through. It happens. It would, if Bottas is in the lead, he gets to choose how he loses the win. Absolutely savage. Comment of the week. Don't mean that to be overly mean. It's just that, A, it's kind of true, and, and B, it tickled us. Thank you very much for tuning in to Missed Apex Podcast. Please follow my panel, Bradley Philpott, everywhere. Go and like his announcement tweets. Uh, go and like his announcement Facebook page that he is going to be part of BTCC. List off your followers, Brad. Give him a shout out. Tell us to go and find them. Your sponsors, sorry. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, I was slightly confused. Um, Yeah, if you head to um, M4M on Facebook, that's the letter M, the number four, and then E-M, like Emma, um, give their page a like for me. They're my, my biggest sponsor, but also Swedish Kitchen, who make lovely Swedish street food in the Northamptonshire area. Um, go and give them a like too. Um, and just my pages. Thanks, Rannis. That's great. And thank you to everybody who flooded Brad's social media posts with positivity after the announcement. You have no idea how much that means to, to Brad and us as a community. Alex Van Jean, go and follow him at Alex Van Jean on Twitter. Go and find him on Twitch and YouTube or whatever. It's just him in his living room with VR headsets being scared. Um, but I'll grant you, they're, they're well made and there's some amusement to be had there. Matt is at MattPT55, and you want to send us in a very special direction indeed today. I do indeed, because tomorrow is my daughter's birthday. That would be Monday for our international <laughs> listeners. And if you happen to have a Twitter account, you could go to at Lilith is a demon. Yes, exactly. Okay. One word, like it sounds. Okay. And wish her a happy birthday, and that would be a fun thing for everyone, I think. Since Matt writes the show notes, I'm sure a link to that Twitter account will just magically appear in those show notes we can do that uh, thank you for listening to Missed Apex Podcast we understand you have a choice of 4,000 podcasts when selecting your F1 podcast and we really appreciate that you choose to spend your time listening to us 
at Missed Apex F1 on Twitter. We've got a Facebook page too. I'm at Spanners Ready, and you can follow me uh, on Facebook by searching for Richard Ready. I would love it if you check out Spanners 90s Radio. Give that a follow. If nothing else, that helps me go up the charts because I think this might go well and uh, and also provide you with some nice background listening. We'll be back with Remain Indoors podcast on Thursday live, 2 p.m. GMT with Liam Taylor. So a bit of a, a music episode there. Uh, wherever we see you next, though, guys, work hard, be kind, and have fun. This was Missed Apex Podcast. Nav sing Lewis mistook Gasly for Alvin at the start when they almost collided. <laughs> oh, because he normally hits him. Uh, okay, yeah, okay. Right, right. Go on then. Stuart Neal, K-Mag is a headbanger. Okay. I got uh, Michael Dieselhoff, check out the rear Jackman from Racing Point. He's an absolute beast. Would definitely qualify for the term, quote, huge Jackman. Oh, no, no. And no! finally, Richard DeRyder, Russell, just another brick in the wall. <laughs> the chat room has just been so so cruel today um, not fair horrible absolutely horrible mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.